You're listening to the Plain Label Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Plain Label Podcast. I am your host, Eric Williams, and in this episode, we continue our look at writer-director Martin Scorsese with the films New York, New York, and Raging Bull. Here to join me on this theme and in this episode is returning guest, Mr. Benjamin Teed. Hello, thanks, Eric. Uh-huh. Before we get into our discussion, I would like to mention that we are proud members of the Deliberate Noise Network. Search Deliberate Noise in your podcast app for more great shows from the network, Mr. Teed. What are you drinking from Jake LaMotta's bar this evening? I ordered a from a from a copper cup. A I guess is it technically a, a Moscow mule if it's made with lime? Uh, it is have to be yeah, lime. It is a Moscow mule. As Moscow long as it's mule, got yeah. ginger beer and ginger uh, beer, yeah, and lime, vodka. vodka, a shot of each, I guess, and then like mostly ginger beer. So uh-huh, uh-huh. I, didn't, I, like I didn't go too crazy. I'm I'm the single parent tonight. <laughs> I was gonna say you have to be so, yeah, so be responsible. I have to at least tell the police where my missing child is. Uh, <laughs> say not a lot. It was just one <laughs> shot. I swear it. It was just one shot. You don't even see it in the, in the blood test. Anyway, that's right. Hi. That's yeah. Uh, anyway, what, you? what, what can I do for you? What can I do for you? Uh, <laughs> like we didn't ask you any of that information, but thank you for volunteering it. <laughs> Uh, so I am having uh, something fairly similar. It is uh, also vodka, but it is a vodka in a black cherry um, sparkling water, or uh, oh hell yeah, yeah, whatever it's called. It's not oh. Lacroix. It's like the it's like our local grocer's uh, knockoff version of. Oh LaCroix, sweet, basically. nice. Yeah, I should have had a, a a gin fizz or a slow gin fizz or whatever they called uh, whatever was one of the orders that uh, Liza Minnelli was having. Uh, when uh when robert de niro's character was very drunk and uh or high or whatever he was when they were at that uh, Uh, bar and had that very uncomfortable situation in real life too who knows yeah 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 Yeah, we'll talk about that too so yeah so that's what we are going to be talking about that's what we are drinking so we're going to go chronologically of course and we're going to jump into 1977 with the film new york new york It was 1945, the war was over, and the world was falling in love again. Give me a number, just give me, you got a pencil or something? Give me, or I'll have a photographic memory, just give me a number and I'll remember. No. Give me a phone number. No. Yes. No. Yes. No. Yes. Liza Minnelli, Robert De Niro, New York, New York. I can take a hint. Can you also take a walk? Look, you want me to leave? Yes. I'll leave right now. Bye. You expect me to leave after the way you talk to me just now? Give me a hand. For good luck. For good luck. Oh, you brought a new kind of love to me. She was a singer. He was a sax man. It was beautiful while it lasted. Well, where is she? Why should I tell you where she is if she doesn't tell you where she is in the letter? Well, where is she? Can you tell me where she is? Okay. They're in Asheville. If you can find it, there wait, might wait, be wait, a wait, Asheville, story. Nashville? No, not Nashville, Asheville. I love you. Well, I mean, I don't love, I mean, I don't love you, I dig you. I, mean, I like you a lot, and then, you know, I mean... Someday you'll come along The man I love That's 
Jimmy, I'm... No! 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 Will you marry me? Will you marry me? I love you. Will you marry me? Just Do not kick off the band. I kick off the band. You understand? Don't treat me like Don't that. ever do it again. Ever again. Oh, ever again. W- Let's go. I'm going to have a baby. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to what? Have a baby. Did I tell you to have that baby? No, I didn't tell you. You had it. Now you have it. Now keep it. Go ahead. Keep hitting me. You're gonna be satisfied by hitting me? Go ahead, hit me. That's right. Now, guys, see the kid, what am I gonna say to it? I am your father, I'm going away. What are you gonna say? I can't say anything. I'm sorry. story is like a song. It's beautiful while it lasts. Liza Minnelli, Robert De Niro, New York, New York. All right, and before we get into that discussion, I want to read just a little bit of what Scorsese says about this film. And again, this is from Scorsese on Scorsese. I have the part where he looks like a young man. Ben has the version where he is not a young man and and, uh, Marty says about this film I was extremely disappointed when the movie was finished because I had a really bad experience making it but over the years I've been able to see it has some truth to it I still don't really like it yet in a way I love it alright so the IMDB plot synopsis of this one it is short and sweet and it says the day world war ii ends jimmy a selfish and smooth talking musician meets francine a lounge singer from that moment on their relationship grows into love as they struggle with their careers and aim for the top mr t that is the most generic imdb (laughs) that i think i've read in quite a while tell me about you and your history with New York, New York, and then what you thought of the film. It's especially short for how long-winded it seems. <laughs> wow, um, what a long movie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, hmm. Yeah, no, no history with this film. I've always heard about it. I always knew that Scorsese was a New York film director and that he his, his particular view on New York is kind of seen as kind of a quintessential uh, uh, take on the city. Um, and just city life in itself. So I, I knew nothing going in. I didn't even know it was technically like, like a musical, <laughs> right. but not in a musical that I think of normally in the way of, uh, just suddenly breaking out into song. Oh, yeah. Musical. It's not, it's not singing in the rain. That's for sure. Yeah. No, it's, and, but similarly, how crazy is it that 
I I got off of watching a uh, uh, Vincente Minnelli marathon mm-hmm. through another podcast that I super love, mm-hmm. and um, you know they they watch like a, a handful. They don't watch like the whole. <laughs> they're not like us, where we go. Oh crazy. yeah, they're not. Uh, they're not dedicated like us. <laughs> but uh, but you know, having seen that uh, and and knowing the model of a Minnelli uh, musical, and then suddenly getting to see New York, New York, and seeing Scorsese's take to the point that he even uses the actress uh, that that is like the connection to that world mm-hmm. um, is interesting because. It's it's a neat impression. It sure is. Like I think it's I think it's a, a fun impression of of something that he loves. And I think the movie's like fine, but at no point am I considering this like part of Marty's best. And and uh, I don't know. It just it kind of brought me down a little bit on on Scorsese as a whole mm-hmm. uh, as a director, but but still like enjoyable enough for you know. There's something about the early Scorsese films I'm finding, and we'll say this in the next film too. I mean, it's just rampant in the next film. I, th- I would say it is a it is an, uh, the main anthem of the next film. But I'm just gonna go there right now, right? You know, first thing, mm-hmm. <laughs> just the toxic masculinity that comes from unbelievable from from all of these male lead characters, and and seen in a way and put in a certain light that I'm sitting there watching this and my wife's next to me, of course. And we're both like, like steaming. (laughs) I think her more than I am (laughs) to the point where it's like, if he doesn't get what's coming to him in the next 10 minutes, I'm shutting this off. Like Mm -hmm. like, the feeling of like this, like pissed offness, but totally doesn't. And like, instead it takes off into this like very but see i think also the other thing that that's happening with new york new york is and why he's pushing so hard in the very beginning on on uh on was it v-day v-day yeah uh when when they come home and they're having this huge party um the the main character francine is is Sitting at a table, just trying to wait for a friend, just or have minding a drink, just her drink. own damn. Business. I mean, literally, just just leave her alone, Jimmy Doyle, uh, who's played by Robert De Niro, and it, and it, and it just takes off from there. And of course, she gets swept up in whatever stupid thing he's uh, got messed up in, because because of course he's the rascally r- rabbit that that uh, rides the line and and uh, and can get away with anything because he's so damn charming. But mm-hmm. that has to go to a has to go to a, uh, a saxophone, uh, rehearsal or not rehearsal, uh, a tryout. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, uh, and, and of course, you know, is, is failing miserably. But of course, uh, Francine Lazzaminelli, of course, just stands up and says, I know, I know what I'll do. I'll help him out here and gets him through the audition. And boy, if they don't have the part and they're got to show up at a certain time, it's a really bad time of night, but man, they're going to do it. They're going to, they're now the newest. Uh, duo uh, that's the most uh, uh, talented thing you could ever see, or something like that. It's like, well, goodness. and their and their star rises. They start getting more popular, and and of course, at this point, Ben he succeeds and says, "Well, she's just as successful as as me." I mean, that's what he, of course, does, right? I mean, he yes. of course gives her uh, just as much credit as him. He doesn't be a complete ass and try to just take no. everything over, right? 
come and, on, and that this doesn't guy. come to blow up in his face or anything like that and 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 also ruin his every relationship that he has eventually mm-hmm. and holding on to you know what it kind of reminded me of uh in some ways was uh la la land Ooh, um, see it now i haven't i haven't seen it but okay. i i, kn- I well, know of it but i don't this won't spoil anything for la la land but there's a the the, the uh oh god what is his name well, it's Ryan Gosling, um, but it's Ryan Gosling. I, I, I said Ryan something, but for some reason, I wanted to say Reynolds, and that was, I knew that was wrong. Um, so Ryan Gosling is is the the is just the same as as Robert De Niro in the sense that he loves old jazz and doesn't mm-hmm. let go of that old jazz feeling and, and wants to like continue that and is also tortured the way a jazz musician is and blah blah blah, and so has to remain in that in that way while. Um, Francine's uh, uh, star just keeps rising and rising and rising, and she has to like rise to those occasions and and be able to to take all that on. Mm-hmm. So, so I, I guess my first impression coming away from this film was, yeah, I mean, this was a good impression of one of those old '40s '50s musicals that I'm sure Marty Marty had to have grown up grown up on, right? And just yeah. has an immense love for, and wanted to make one of his own. So. Who can I? How can I possibly, you know, fault a, a, a film fan for doing? You know, I, I, you know, being able to work on a dream project like that and having mm-hmm. the the leads be, you know, who they are. But as someone who's out of context watching this in 2020, uh, knowing who Robert De Niro is and knowing who Liza Minnelli is, I just feel like they were the most mich- mismatched couple. Uh, absolutely no, like. Usually in those old films, there's some sort of uh, chemistry there, and I just, I don't know what it is. Maybe maybe I have a cold heart or something, but no chemistry at all that I could sense. I just knew at some point they were just it was just going to drop. Well, I mean, narratively you can guess that, but mm-hmm. at the same time, I, I feel like that that rise, that love, that chase. Um, Robert Robert De Niro as Jimmy was just being annoying. Well, I think well he's supposed to be, but I mean like extra <laughs> annoying for the audience. Like I never wanted him. He was never charming enough for me to want him to win. No, you're never for, rooting for him. No. No. And, and I think I wonder end, if that's a, a product of the time that we're never rooting for him. Product of the time meaning back meaning in the like, 40s or back well, when this film was made. I think when the film is made you look back to those times and you're like, "Oh, he's just a rascal. Look at how much he likes her." It's totally fine that he's completely harassing her. And you watch it in 2020 eyes and you're like, this is not okay. Like someone needed to help her out. She needed to get out of there. This is like near garbage. Like, like he needs to stop and get Mm -hmm. the fuck out of there. Uh Yeah. (sighs) So, so that's, that's kind of my first note as well (laughs) was, uh, this meat cute plays much differently now. I expect than when this came out. Right. Because, Oh yes. Because one of the things in the book that it talked about was this is before heaven's gate and heaven's gate for people that maybe don't know was, was the, uh, the movie that, um, kind of made studios wake up and say, oh, maybe directors shouldn't be in charge of everything. Like maybe we shouldn't just give them free reign because eventually one of them is going to make a movie that it costs so much it's going to sink our studio. And so when Scorsese is talking about making this movie, he talks about how this meet cute in this beginning scene, when they filmed it, they had rewrote all this stuff and they improvised all these things and it ended up being an hour long, just this section. 
And they were kind of like, ooh, yeah, that's not going to work. And the original, you know, you, t- you hear all the time about, oh, the rough cut is this long and that sort of thing. But this was four hours long. And they had wow. to cut it down to two and a half hours that we watched. So that's an hour and a half worth of material that you're thinking, yeah, I guess I could probably use this and maybe I'll trim here and cut there. But this is my kind of rough idea of what this is going to be. And in the book, it, it continues on and talks about how, you know, he didn't have a good time making this. He wasn't exactly sure what the story was, he says at one point. And they kind of ended up making a movie that made sense out of what was there. And so I read that afterwards going, yeah, that's pretty much what I felt because I watched this and it just feels like a something that would be made into a miniseries now because there's all of these different stages in their careers and in their lives and you get to see all of these different shades of the Liza Minnelli character. I think Robert De Niro is really good in this, but I think he is an awful character. Like you watch yeah. him and you're just like, oh. I cannot yeah, he's wait. He's a really good actor. Like of course. <laughs> right. Like like duh. Like no kidding, right? <laughs> yeah. But still, like coming coming out the other end of this, it's like I, I cannot stand when he's on when he's on the screen. And mm-hmm. I wonder if he knows that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it says uh, so some of the things early on that were really troubling is at that at that VJ day where they're celebrating the end of World War Two and she f- just asks him, Will you go away? And he says, I don't want to go away. I want to stay here and annoy you. And I'm like, God, fuck this guy. I'm like, yeah. get out of there. You know, to where I'm like, not angry at her, but just like pleading is sort of like my inner sort of voice watching this. It wouldn't be nearly as bad if like we a didn't already know people who are like this. Mm-hmm. Um, we've all seen someone like this, but um like uh the, the the other thing would be how the you can you can automatically tell the movie wants you to think oh that little rascal oh yeah isn't he just a cad look at him he's he's a good guy he's just you know he's just giving over us the business it, immediately blah, blah. over it like, and, and, like the, and the thing that really frustrates me about his character in general is throughout the film he's doing all of these things without giving her any clear sign verbally of what he's about to do. Like she'll give him some grand announcement and he'll just like run off and do something. And she's like, is he pissed? Is he happy? I don't know. Like she tells him that he's, that she's pregnant way down the line and he doesn't say anything. And he kind of runs up and down the stairs and she's like, is he upset? And he's like, Oh, that's awesome. You know, he's basically saying that's awesome. And she's like, okay, I didn't fucking know. Like what a way to live. Because yeah, she's I, she's living we're, like we're feeling that needles. same thing. Yeah, we don't we don't know what he's gonna do because he you know and I think that's that is a strength of of um of De Niro and, oh, and, yeah. ability, and it carries over to the other film too Travis Bickle uh, in the film before mm-hmm. like I I feel like in general having that kind of wild card type of thing makes him immensely scarier. Oh yeah, because um, he is a—I mean, he's a frightening-looking person. Like he's—he's he's got that intensity in his face, to where you're is like, is he violent at all? I don't remember. See, that's how much well, of an he, impact New York, New York. Does he get violent? In he New York does. Room? In the in the okay. he's driving at one point toward the end of the film, and she's, uh, I believe, like eight or nine months pregnant, and he starts yelling at her, and they start having this fight in the car, and she starts hitting him, and he starts like, kind of pawing at her. 
and then they have enough of an ar- of an argument to where she has her baby. It's like she starts going into labor. Oh god, yeah, that's right. And she's like, you know, swinging the, either a, a bag at him or something like that. And I'm like, oh my god, this is uncomfortable to watch. So earlier on, though, it's uh, the only sort of aspects that I, because I, I guess just sort of generally, I thought the movie was. I thought it was, uh, I don't know, it, it was really kind of a mess. Like, I thought that at points I was really kind of with it and was like, oh, okay, this is kind of fun. And then I at wanted, points, yeah, I wanted that. Yeah. And then at, at some points I was like, well, this is an interesting look at this failed relationship. And it's kind of interesting that one of them isn't solely reliant on the other when they're kind of at their bottom. Like, when that once they split and they go their separate ways, like, they both kind of make their own way. Even though they like they they find success in their own ways, kind of a thing, and I'm like, well, that's kind of interesting, but I didn't love it. I, I guess like it like I, I can see redeeming things about it, but it just doesn't. It just didn't really kind of work for me as much as I hoped it would have. I say that about the whole film, every yeah. aspect of it, all the acting, all the music, all the every every bit of it just kind of was like, this is all serviceable. This will work. But yet, but yet not like not in the way that like, you know, it's going to be like I said, I even forgot about one of the most important parts was the loss of their baby. And well, no, 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 they, uh, no, they have. Or the, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. The, the like the loss of their relationship as mm, they have the baby. Mm-hmm, right. Because um, that's kind of the point is where they well, I mean, it's been leading up to that, that, mm-hmm. that argument and mm-hmm. stuff all happening. Yeah. So some of the things that I did think worked really well was when. They're sort of toward the beginning, and it's when um, it's when he's still trying to charm her, and he's got different sort of hotels on the take where he's got a bill with one hotel, and then he goes and stays at another hotel, and he's got a tab there kind of a thing. And, and he's kind of just trying to get what he can out of each of these places, and that's really well done because that's sort of classic De Niro, like he's – sort of what we see a lot of in the in Raging Bull where he's talking to Pesci and they're just kind of saying the same words over and over but they're saying it in different intonations and so he's he's meaning different things by the same words that he's saying and so he gets a little bit of that with like the hotel clerk and I think that that's kind of interesting and then he's running down the hallway or down in the lobby at one point which made me really laugh and then you mentioned earlier like once they start doing different auditions and you see her audition for things and him audition for things and, and all of that kind of stuff I thought was, was fine enough. Like I thought that that was okay. It was, it was some of the, um, some of the things like the next note hero where I put the marriage proposal in quotes was awful toxic masculinity type stuff yes. because they, they have this terrible bit where he just kind of, says hey you're coming with me and drags her over to the like the justice of the peace essentially and they they go over there and they're like yeah we're getting married we're gonna do this 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 and she's like oh this this is how you're proposing to me like this is what we're doing and he's like yeah what's the problem i'm like oh god fuck this guy yeah (laughs) like get this guy off of here and like not in like a like a you know how this if you take it out of the context of the time it was made Mm mm-hmm uh, and push it even back even further, push it back like 20, 30, 40 years before that, how movies were seen like this, were, mm-hmm. were done in this way. Even then, it's still awful. Oh, yeah. Like, even then, it, it's still, like, not the best. 
No, not um, at all. Yeah, and, this and, is not ju- it's not just isolated to 2020. No. Obviously, we get to see it, the this thing ultimately fail, but but at the same time, it's like I don't, I don't know. I, I it's kind of like uh, well, it's kind of like the next movie uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> where you just kind of see something get kind of set up and then you just watch it like crumble and you know it's not on a good foundation you know it's not on a on a not that i need it to be this like happy story or whatever you just almost wish there was more payment for the sins that are being carried out on the screen yeah yeah it is one of those to where we're in the current sort of uh cultural world that we're in in like where society is watching these stories about toxic masculinity is like oh fuck another one all right you know it's like just just get out of here <laughs> jimmy like just get just go away it's sort of like it's not a um i guess watching it now i'm not like oh wow look at how guys used to be it's like of course he's a fucking asshole like of course he's terrible you know just move along like i just just get rid of this person is sort of the uh with yeah. all of, you know with just all the news and you hear all these terrible things about what's going on in in uh in the sort of the horror landscape and the sort of comic book landscape. And there's just all of this terrible sort of masculine stuff. Everything within the past week, uh, everything's kind of popped up. WWE, Uh, I saw stuff for, for that even. This is this week that's, that it's being recorded is a week that a lot, like a huge mass amount of stories are coming out via social media and and news and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, and the other thing is to, you know, we're two white guys growing up in the middle of, mm-hmm. of the country, mm-hmm. and we are constantly taught. Uh, and this isn't—I'm not trying to get on soapbox here or anything like that, because I know that people are that listening know. Mm-hmm. But we're constantly being told uh, when we grow up that that pursuit, that thing that that Robert De Niro's character is doing in that opening uh, sequence. Being persistent. If you don't do that, then it is wrong, or mm-hmm. that you're, or that you're uh, a lesser man, or, you know, or, or God forbid, you know, the like a homosexual or something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, something along those lines. And the only thing that's going to help out these women is men and mm-hmm. men being better and growing up, having this type of. Uh, uh, rhetoric and having this type of uh, uh, environment in which I, I saw that and was that was uh, in some ways culturally expected of me mm-hmm. um, is I don't know it, it's just it's very like I, I'm sure at some point I, I, I of course I can't think of an example because uh, you, you you just become complacent to that type of stuff but I almost guarantee you I'm I am guilty of it. Mm-hmm. in some capacity like mm-hmm. either i didn't call someone else out for it or i did it myself mm-hmm. and it takes a, on a very different light for me seeing this in a film from a celebrated director mm-hmm. uh, as someone who is raising a young white male myself mm-hmm. and so that i mean if anything i want to stamp that out as much as possible and one i want to do my part but almost like using this film and the next film as an example 
Yeah. Of, Do not of, be like this. Yeah. And just show show the the younger generation here. Here's what here's what it's like. You know, and and like that's kind of what I think the controversy surrounding even something like Taxi Driver or Joker mm-hmm. are sure. are. You know, in some ways, there's a there's a bit of like you know you don't get to just because you don't get what you want or you had a bad day or you aren't given what you want doesn't mean you can just take things take matters into your own hands and start treating strangers and people like objects. Hmm. Well, I think the part of the point of the next film is to show what a terrible person he was. Right. Right. But yeah. in this one, I don't, I don't know that that's always the point because like you said, I think that that you're supposed to think, Oh, what a charming guy for a while. What a, you know, he just really likes her. Look at him continuing to go after her and that sort of thing. But then when we have things like they practice with the band together and of course, when I see it, I think of Whiplash, right? Like, that's not quite at my tempo. Are you, you know, are you? Oh yeah, that's you right. Know, are you dragging and all that kind of stuff? Uh, are you rushing or are you dragging, Ben? And so when you see that in this <laughs> instance, they're playing and it's not quite up to the level that they want it to be. And he goes and talks to the drummer and he goes and talks to another guy and they kind of get things worked out. And then she's feeding off the same energy that he's giving out because there kind of looks like they're co-running this band. And she says something to somebody in in front of the band. He's awful to her. And he basically is like, don't you ever do that to in front of the band again. Like, I run the band. And I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> like, this is yeah. the worst. So I put down that this character, and this transitions into uh, when he's drunk at the meeting. And she's looks like she's got a uh, like an agent, basically that's interested in uh interested in her as a as a lounge singer and so he shows up they don't arrive together he's all either stoned or drunk or both and just not at all interested doesn't care who this person is all that kind of thing and i wrote down that this character for me is just as scary if not more scary than travis bickle this is a guy who can adapt somewhat but he always has or wants an angle like he's able to live in society as a quote normal person but he is able to sort of manipulate others around him to where travel travis is just you know he he is a um you know we called him an incel but he's he's basically you know he is outside of the norm and he's removing himself sort of from everyday life for the most part where this guy he's just in the middle of society and is just the just the worst like he's just the worst husband he is unbelievably bad it's a really good point yeah i was gonna say because there's more damage that can be done and like with abusers specifically you you don't there's no there's no um there's no like boundary for for uh for them to just keep taking Mm -hmm. you know you don't get to retaliate they just they don't wait for you to retaliate they don't wait for you to retort Mm -hmm. they will just continue to barrage you and barrage you no matter what because Mm -hmm. something in their life is making them feel inadequate oh absolutely and and, you know our our like uh we have family friends that have uh or we have people that we know we'll say it that way um that the husband is not always nice to the wife and we've had conversations and my wife has had several conversations where it's like what are you like what are you doing and it's like oh well you know that that was just a one-time thing. oh that's that's this this yeah not. but he's doing this and he's doing this yeah no, 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 no. Doing it. and it's like you know you get kind of in that loop 
that Liza Minnelli is in in this film to where she is successful and she's talented and she can do all of these things as well as being a mother and she's able to stand up for herself at times but when it comes to Jimmy she just can't do it like she just takes so much before she finally stands up to him and she's got a lot of things to keep her mind out of that headspace too Mm -hmm. like she either has the work or she has her son or something like that the funny thing is in real life she's the one with the real talent and i actually think in the film she's the one with the real talent Mm -hmm. you know like i don't for some reason i don't know maybe this is uh uh prejudice against uh saxophone players but seeing him (laughs) perform a saxophone i'm sorry just really wasn't that that impressive to me whereas i can watch liza medelli Mm-hmm. go through that whole end performance and just be mesmerized by it in the way that I would like at the end of singing in the rain or something like that. And it was just lovely. Yeah. Boy, um, she was, she was like, was uh, singing her ass off. She, she was singing her ass off. She was like emoting with her face. Like, I don't think I've ever seen anyone do like, she was like far, far from the tree, man. Yeah, it really, it was like a, this is a Broadway slash like Las Vegas performer just doing what she does, right? Because she is so over the top doing that stuff because she's playing to the back row, right? Like she's not being subtle. She's not trying to be subtle. And then you see De Niro and it's like, well, he's doing the motions, but he's not actually playing that saxophone. So how, like, how good could you actually be imitating doing that when you're not actually playing the instrument? I was feeling that, that overacting or that over emoting from Manelli for the whole film. Mm hmm. Which is why it was kind of hard for me to think of her as like a leading lady in this capacity, in this gritty type of, and I wouldn't say gritty, maybe that's the wrong term to use, but like in this, in this world of, of trying to jump between performance of the stage and singing and performance of, of like, let's make it real now where, where there's this moment, you know, of her, you know, being scared or something like that. Mm-hmm. Well, so, and see, um, I know her, I know her best. <laughs> I know her best from Arthur, the Dudley Moore uh, film. Oh, right, yeah. And and so I'm just used to her being like a strong, like, take-no-shit kind of uh, very female New York kind of uh, personality. And so when I see her in this, where at times she's like, you know, don't touch me, get off me. And you're like, whoa, like she's got actual authority in her voice or... Or she tells him to... Uh, she seems like it. Yeah, you know, she just seems like she's real strong, but then he just completely overpowers her. And I'm like, ooh, boy. And especially once we get into the second film, it's like, well, just because they're strong doesn't mean that they're strong in each relationship or situation that they're in. So so I don't know. This was one that, uh, God, it, was, it felt so long to me. Tell me how many times you start and stopped this film. Um, I started it got extremely tired of it in the very like beginning part of it and then had to like go back and force myself to finish it. So I only sat down twice. Okay. But, but, and that was probably close for both, both films. Okay. Um, which I don't know if that's, that necessarily means anything. It, you know, it just, my, my movie watching slash reading slash playing a video game or, or just existing, uh, outside of the world of, uh, well, I guess he's not an infant anymore. My toddler son, mm-hmm. um, starts at eight o'clock at night. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the reasons why we're recording at this point for, for those of you listening. Um, but, <laughs> but like, 
that it, it's like I could either power through in one sitting like I did with a, a new film, a newer, I actually caught a newer film uh, with Knives Out because mm-hmm. uh, it's just, it's gripping and it's lovely and it's all sorts of stuff. And I just take, it takes me straight to the end and, and, I, and oh my gosh, two hours flew by or mm-hmm. it's, or it's kind of homework in a way that like, you know, be, can, can be enjoyable at moments, but ultimately doesn't really result in anything substantial for me or doesn't really move me in a, in a way. I did like to kind of see the ending, uh, the end of the film where it usually ends up in a, in a film like this where Liza is better off and, and yeah. Yeah. They and do have that. The, they do have that moment where they sort of reconnect. She's become, uh, they both become successful, but she's become more successful. It seems like, and, they kind of have this sort of like, hey, yeah, let's go ahead and and uh, meet up, and they both decide not to do that. And I was like, well, I would have loved it a lot more if he would have showed up because he's like, oh, I realized I've been a complete asshole to her this whole time. Maybe I can uh, convince her and and we can work on some things. And but to have him just be like, you know what, I'm also we're both better off without each other. I'm like, well, the hell with that, like. <laughs> you could yeah, have used her. To, she doesn't. What happened need you. to the persistent uh, move, movement? You know, whatever. Almost like you wanted to kind of see him get his his due or whatever for that. But I guess the the heartache and the and the problems that he's had and stuff like that. You kind of see it spelled on his face when she's watching him perform. I mean, he's in mm-hmm. awe of her, but also you, I, I sense a, a bit of like she doesn't. She does not need me. Yeah, you know? that's true. She, she is. She is skyrocketed to a, a whole new planet. Yeah. than I am. And you know what? The thing is, he's doing his thing. He's on the, he's on the uh, stage, you know, playing the theaters and stuff like that mm-hmm. and still getting what he can, you know, on the jazz stage and stuff like that. But, but ultimately like that's where, he, that's where he will reside. That's just how it's going to be. Yeah. Yeah. So not, uh, not the worst of these, um, you know, the performances I think oh, no. are, are entertaining at worst. You know, but um, not a, not a film that I think I'll really revisit. But it did have some moments earlier on that I I was laughing and and you know enjoying him kind of being that scoundrel once he's dealing with the hotel clerks and those sorts of things. Where I'm like, oh okay, I can sort of see the likability coming through here. But it's when those relationships with them together, I'm like, oh god, like I'm ready for this part to be over. So, uh, so yeah, I think that's pretty much New York, New York. Unless you got anything else to add about that one? No, you said re- about revisiting. I could probably revisit it, but it's not going to be something that I'm going to be like, hey, we have we have a night, a free night. Let's just pop in New York, New York. Yeah, you're not going like to convince your wife to watch it here. Uh, well, watch the listen, rest of it or whatever. I I went. You know what? I heard this is a romantic comedy. This is about New York. <laughs> Let's just pop this hey, in. It's like Meet the, the Fockers, but it's in scene, New York. <laughs> it's the first scene of him just being persistent she immediately puts on the phone or brings up the phone Uh as if like i'm not i'm not and then when he still wouldn't quit she gets up and walks back to the bedroom she's she's not in the same room anymore because she couldn't stand it she she felt like she should leave because liza benelli couldn't that's your two steps yeah once she she takes that second step and leaves she's completely out we're not, we're not going, we're not, I take it we're not watching it. That might have been a reason for not uh, finishing the film that night because <laughs> then I, did, I was like all ready to finish this film with another person. And I was like, well, now I'm an idiot sitting here by myself going, what do I do What now? am I doing? God damn it, Eric. What are you making me watch this for? <laughs> Getting in trouble with my wife? This is terrible. 
<laughs> All right, well, let's go ahead and move into our uh, second film. It is from three years later. It is from 1980. It is the infamous Raging Bull. The Bronx Bull, the Raging Bull. Let's hear for the great Jake LaMotta, ladies and gentlemen. I'm the best. I can take him more than anybody. You're dead. You're married. Leave the young girls for me. There's no way I'm going down. I don't go down for nobody. Listen, madame. Why does he have to make it so hard on himself? If you beat Trigger Ray, you'll get a shot at the title. You feel that way? There's no one else around who wants to fight me. They're all afraid. There's a lot of bad things, Joey. Maybe it's coming back to me. from the book that I'm going to read about this one. Uh, If people want to follow along, I guess this is on page 80. It goes like this. I felt that Jake used everybody to punish himself, especially in the ring. When he fights Sugar Ray Robinson, why does he really take that beating for 15 rounds? Jake himself said he was playing possum. Well, that may be Jake in reality, but Jake on the screen is something else. He takes the punishment for what he feels he's done wrong. And when he's thrown in jail... He's just faced with a wall, and so with the real enemy for the first time, himself. And the IMDb plot synopsis for Raging Bull goes like this. When Jake LaMotta steps into a boxing ring and obliterates his opponent, he's a prize fighter. But when he treats his family and friends the same way, he's a ticking time bomb ready to go off at any moment. Though LaMotta wants his family's love, something always seems to come between them. Perhaps it's his violent bouts of paranoia and jealousy. This kind of rage helped make him a champ, but in real life, he winds up in the ring alone. All right, Mr. T, tell me about you and your experience in history with Raging Bull. Another one that I felt like I should have seen. Oh, come on, Ben. So many years ago, and like, you know, I've always been told how great it was, and it was been really built up for me. And I, I remember there was a, I had a running joke with this guy at a place I used to work with. Um, hi, Todd. Uh, and I was supposed to let him know when I finally saw it because I owned it on DVD for forever. You know, it's one of those where I buy a physical copy of it 
just never got around to watching it. It always sat in my big DVD chest or whatever, my physical media chest or whatever. It's not doing anything. And so this was finally a reason to break it out and finally get into it. And I liked it more than the last film. <laughs> right. Okay, good. Technically so impressive. Uh-huh. Yes. Every bit of it was like, man, this is, I, you know, I would love to learn how this movie was made. Mm-hmm. Narratively, I heard it. Well, I, I know it's based off of, uh, uh, real Jack or real, uh, Jake Lamont, mm-hmm. but, uh, and, and then he wrote a book off of his experiences. And then Robert De Niro, of course, read the book, pressured Marty to make this film. They got the taxi driver team back of Paul Schrader coming back. And right, right. they ended up not going with his script. Yeah, interesting. And instead they doing Marty's and someone else's. Marty and uh, Robert De Niro's. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, they're, okay. They're, oh, they they're not credited as rewriting it, but this is uh, those two as well okay. as, uh, uh, let's see... Marduk Martin. Marduk Martin. That's where my person. that's where my confusion lies. Then because yeah. I'm sitting there going. So then, sorry to, to kind of finish up my thought here. Um, so ultimately, getting what we get, it's fascinating, but man, is it so much intense craziness just to get. There's no there's no salve in between the the thorny spikes that are just being lobbed at the viewer. Uh, who's just, who has to endure watching all this abuse for like 90% of the film, I would say. Mm-hmm. Isn't it like 20 minutes of the movie? There's only 20 minutes of actual boxing and fighting in it and the rest is all drama. Yeah. All that drama from scene to scene to scene, all you're seeing is just a guy shouting about uh, being a baby about something. Mm-hmm. And, I'm just going to go ahead and say in the, in the current climate of our world right now, and, it, and if you're listening to this now, Hopefully it's changed, but maybe not. But, you know, I, I feel like it, you can only take so much because I'm hearing it in the news. You, listen, I don't have to tell you who it is in the news. You know who I'm talking about. <laughs> when I hear about it every single day and then I come home and I watch this movie, it is so hard to like sit through this stuff and mm. like really enjoy it. So like I will say I would have loved to see the Schrader version. Uh-huh. Um, Especially since I, I have kind of grown to find out that I, I love a lot of his stuff or that I didn't realize that he was involved in and went, Oh, I'd like to see that. There is a, there's a torturedness to Schrader that I, that I think would have made it more clear, but I absolutely love. Remember, remember in the earlier films, um, um, Oh gosh, what's his name? Uh, Harvey Keitel holding his hand in the flame. Oh yeah, you know, as a, as a as a form of like self torture and self mutilation or something like that, self harm. Yep. As a, as a way of paying for his sins, you know, that is what's happening here, and it and it's interesting, but it does not surprisingly does not make an impact for me nearly in the way that those other films do. Wow, that is interesting. So that is interesting. So this is the second time I've seen this. Okay. Um, it was a film that. When I first kind of stumbled upon it, I already knew who Scorsese was, and I already knew uh, that uh, De Niro had won the Oscar for this film and that kind of thing. And so I was like, oh, man, this must be some crazy boxing stuff. And so I figured it was going to be some sort of Rocky-like thing. So I was like, oh, it's like Rocky, but with uh, Robert De Niro. 
she's going to overcome something. Yeah. He's going to drive through and, and, and beat the odds and win. Yeah. He's going to, you know, talk about the Russia versus the U S in a boxing <laughs> film, you know, something like that. It's uh, got to be something like that. Greatest so, American story ever told. That's right. And so when this, uh, <laughs> When I had watched it originally, I was like, oh, boy, this is uh, much different. Like you had mentioned, there's not a lot of boxing, and there's not a lot of really well-done boxing either. Like, there's a lot of really kind of goofy-looking boxing. And to to notice that they had gone through all of this shooting, and I get the fact that Scorsese says that he wanted to be inside the ropes instead of outside of the ropes, which most boxing movies do. And so I get that he wants to be right up in there, but some of it, I mean, it, it strikes me as they're wanting to be realistic, more realistic than like a Rocky. But they're also people just getting just bashed in the face over and over and over and nothing's happening to them. And I'm like, wait a minute, you can't be so realistic. And then they're just getting smashed and they're just standing there. They're like not even doing anything. But then you'll have times later on in the film where they'll just be like these outrageous sort of super soaker looking squirts of blood and sweat and everything that just sprays off their faces. And you're just like, what in the hell? So it was, uh, it was very sort of surreal at times. And this time around, I did enjoy the film for what it was. Uh, I think that I was able to, I was able to enjoy this more because I thought that this was damning the main character more than New York, New York to where here I'm like, okay, we're not supposed to like this guy. This guy is a terrible person and we're going to watch how he throws his life away. Basically. We need this. Yes. We need to be able to see that happen. Yeah. And so I liked those parts of it. Now knowing Scorsese enough, I, I, you know, it's almost like expected or rote or a trope that you see those uh, very loud kitchen conversations where everyone's yelling at everyone and, you know, the there's some sort of a fight and, and there's just put downs and fuck yous left and right. Like, I'm just already yeah. I'm already used to that. And so when I see it in the past, I'm like, oh, OK, well, this is no big deal. Well, I didn't think of, well, it wasn't always like this in 1980 when this movie came out, at least you know, on this stage with this kind of a director getting this kind of a, a a claim for his, for his film and that sort of thing. And so I was, I I mean, I, I feel like I have to sort of be um, impressed at Robert De Niro again, because of his willingness to play a terrible person. And I think that, you know, it, it makes me kind of like, I don't know, worry about him. You know how people worry about Stephen King because he writes all of these dark, crazy things. It makes me worry about Robert De Niro because I'm like, God damn it. He's so good at playing, at playing an asshole. I've always heard like on the set of like a lot of these, uh, uh, um, what are they like? Um, dramatic, uh, soap operas, Mm -hmm. you know, there's like, Oh, they're cheating on their spouses or they're, 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 you know, stabbing each other in the back, you know, whether it's metaphorically or in real life, you know, and then, like, usually those actors are like, man, we just love each other so much. We're such a family. We get all the drama out on the screen. Like, yeah. I wonder if that's true with some actors or if they have to, in some ways, you know, to bring that truth to the scene to, in order to, to stand there and, and become this person. Mm-hmm. You have I would to love it to be true. Yeah, I would love that you, to be the thing. 
you have to come, yeah, you have to come, you have to go to a place, you know, in your head and stuff like that and kind of make that real. And also at the same time, I would assume they're striving for a little bit of, of, um, trying to be unexpected, mm-hmm. you know, in, in such a way that like you're giving, you're giving a performance that no one else can give. And so I, I, I mean, I don't know. It's interesting. Cause I never, I never really thought of, I, 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 I thought so much about his dramatic performance, but even more, I thought about his physical demands in this film oh, and, absolutely, and, and honestly yeah. gave him more, more, uh, more love for De Niro. Mm-hmm. Uh, in this film because of how much he puts his body through mm-hmm. as someone who, who could not imagine getting on a regimen and, and immediately like, and he put on weight and then obviously had to put off weight and stuff like that for, and just go through uh, immense training. Probably why the three years took the three years that it did because of the time period that it would take to, you know, make your body go through something like that. Yeah, I guess they but, did all of the uh, his younger stuff first and then took quite a break. And he toured Europe in Italy and France and just ate his way through Europe, basically. I mean, I'll tell you what, that's that's the way to do it. Really, <laughs> yeah, right? That's, if you're going to do it, that's the way to do it. Um, if you're going to put your body at risk, at least, <laughs> at least actually go through that. Right. And then they talked about when he came back, there was people in the production that were worried about him, thinking, I don't. Like he's gained so much weight, I don't know if he's safe to do this stuff. Like it, like well, I don't know if he's okay. Like I don't know if he's okay to do this. And so, so it, he did gain a lot of weight, um, and it was it held a record for a while until Vincent D'Onofrio, I believe, for uh, um, oh shit, one of the uh, Vietnam movies. I can't think. Full, oh, metal, full, full metal, metal jacket. jacket. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Um. Okay, so. It's not covered that well in the Scorsese on Scorsese book. No, it is very brief, really. It's well, uh, uh, the specific thing I was going to point oh. out is not ver- is not covered very well. He just mentions Marty mentions that he was in the hospital. Yeah, I don't think yeah, he yeah, mentions yeah. what he was in the hospital for. He mm-hmm. was on a cocaine overdose. Yes, and immediately had to start like rethinking his life and started to be a little bit more you know smarter or whatever. And yeah, this was the last gasp, right? Like this was the last film he was going to make. He was going to retire. So he's just going to throw it all in this one. He talks about pouring everything in, but he would not have made it had Mr. Bob come in Uh and, and kind of stand up for him and stand up to him and tell him you, you need to make this movie with me. This is what we'll do. Yeah. And I, I think there, I do see that effort. I do see the effort of pour yourself into this, you know, commit both actors or both both talents mm-hmm. uh here actor and director have have done that here i see those fingerprints left uh coming away from this i just feel like in general the only thing that i might have an issue with with this film is just narratively i felt like it was just it was such a pummeling experience <laughs> um to be going through scene by scene. I mean, it was literally one scene. He would blow up at his brother. Then the next scene he would blow up at his wife. Then the next uh-huh. scene he would blow up at someone at the club. And it was just, there was no, there was no, there was no letting up. And, <laughs> yeah, and it was, tough. it's, it's hard. It's tough to get through. It's a gauntlet. Um, and, and you almost kind of wish that, you know, and, and in some ways he's, he's, uh, 
Um, James Gandolfini, a brilliant actor who gives so many different sides to, to the character of Tony Soprano. And on that show, I don't know if you've ever seen that show, but, um, I absolutely love that performance. And, it, and, and the love, the loveliness of it is that you get several hours with this character, but it takes the time to show this vulnerableness. Um, that is only hinted at in this movie. Someone says something about, um, oh, who was it? It was, uh, it was, he admits his small hands to oh, his yeah. brother. Him and Joe Pesci were talking about their small hands. Yeah. He talks to, he talks to his brother about it. And it's this one moment that he decides to show weakness, but he shows it to someone who is, is holding out for him. He, he is there to help him mm-hmm. and will do whatever he can to, to make sure that, you know, his brother succeeds. Because he has a vested interest, not just because it's his brother, but also it's kind of his job to kind of like, kind of be a manager or a trainer a little bit or whatever. Yeah. And so it's kind of fascinating to watch that moment. That moment, I wanted more moments where he kind of either a has to go to like, you know, you know, like in in Sopranos, uh, there's therapy sessions for for so, right. for yeah, Tony, yeah, yeah. and and in those moments he's allowed to be this like, he's a baby most of the time, mm-hmm. but. But for the most most part, you know, he he has to let his guard down and become vulnerable. And in that moment, I can see the human. And almost there's no point in any of this where you see a human except for when he starts to show the weakness of of getting hit. Because even in the moments where he's defeated, even and he purposely defeats, gets defeated in this in this. Yeah, well, that that is the point. But I guess what do you think of this? So when he actually decides to. When he decides to lose the fight and he throws it and then he's in that locker room later and he's crying, it's because he feels like he's less of a man, not because he's feels like he's made a mistake. So it's not like it just feels like his pride is hurt rather than, um, you know, I just wasn't good enough or, or I trained so hard for this or, you know, something like that. He he he. He failed. the 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 bell rang, and he's got this big puffy face. Oh, it's so it's so disturbing. Uh-huh. Like how how his eyes are so swollen. And he goes over to the other. It's Sugar Ray, right? Yeah, Sugar Ray uh, Robinson is when he loses for like in a real fight. Yeah. No, but is that the one he is that the one he goes down in on purpose? No, the, the one mafia? he the one he throws is when he's just standing there, and then he just uh, they call a technical knockout because he won't. Uh, he basically doesn't fight back. Okay, that's what it is. Okay, yeah. he he sits there and he goes, "I want you to know, I was still standing. I was still standing. Even then, he still has pride. Uh-huh. Even then, he's still. But it's so like slimy and stupid, mm-hmm. and just like like someone in the news you might know. Mm-hmm. Um, like in in a, in a defeat, he still has this defeated look. But and then in that quiet moment where he's all by himself, he's crying and he, and there's and and it's all that self hatred. Uh-huh. And when he's finally thrown into the into the uh into into the jail later he's punching the wall and crying and stuff like that and it's pitiful but you almost kind of, i almost wish there was like a step in between that mm-hmm. like in that same way that he talks about his hands like i just feel like like placing that perfect like balance within there uh so it wasn't so like both ends of the scale are so like heavy with with uh with extreme extremists. Well, I don't uh, think there's a lot of room for subtlety in this film, hmm. right? Like they're like they're just they're just telling you all of the emotions. 
<laughs> like it's not a and film maybe, where you have to where you don't have to I, dig too much. Maybe that's my maybe that's kind of my trouble. I'm I'm kind of feel like I notoriously do not like heavy handedness. Oh. Um, and, you know, I, I I don't know. I there's I'm sitting down. I'm I'm ready to do the work. I'm I'm I want to figure out what is being communicated to me on screen and. When it is this like black and white, I mean the film is literally black and white, but um, but like being able to see that it it makes me go no 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 there's what what else are you trying to tell me? Usually if it's obvious to me, usually if it is heavy handedness, I usually start to think, and this is just normal normal uh, uh, times for me sitting in the movie theater sitting at home. What am I missing? If, if it's mm. being so obvious, this can't just be all that there is. Yeah, there's got to be more be. that I'm not getting. There's got to yeah. be more because uh, I am not that smart. Blah blah blah. You know, <laughs> I sit there and I think that uh, no, the I, self-loathing I, I, washes over, and you're like, and I then can't when be. the movie ends, I find a quiet room to sit in and I sob while yeah. biting on my neck. Yeah, I bang my um, head against the wall and it's fine. Yeah. Oh man, all the holes around this place. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I, I maybe maybe that's maybe I bounce off of something like that because of. Because of my uh, my willingness to to work a little bit more than just being handed something. Yeah. Well, I mean, we when we talked about the Kurosawa stuff, it was like there was work to be done because it was a foreign language. It was older films. It was like there's there's a task there was a sim- to be there held. Was, there was symbolism. Yeah. That like, what was does this mean? What does this mean? To mm-hmm. Throughout all of those films. And then here like, it's just like, no, this is what it is. He's you know, completely unhappy. He lashes out because he's self-loathing. That that's that's it. He's jealous. He's paranoid. That's all. That's all there is. So, so I don't know. Yeah, uh, one of the things that you talked to, uh, we talked a little bit about um, the times that he breaks down. So one of them is when he throws the fight. The other one is when he opens Jake Lamada's, which is a club, and he he does some pretty uh, oh substandard. MCing, I guess you know to where he's he's doing a little bit of a of a comedy routine, and it's not particularly good. And while he's in the club, he's you know meeting and greeting and seeing people and this and that and the other. And he ends up going over to the bar, and there's these young girls, and they said, I don't know if they're 21 or not. And so he kisses both of the women, and they're like, Well, anyone who can kiss like that is old enough to have a drink in my in my club. And then later the cops come and they say, well, this girl's 14. She's not 21. So he gets put in jail. And this is a long way to uh, to ask this question. But when he's in jail, he has the very infamous scene where he's bashing his head against the wall and he's uh, punching the, the concrete walls. And he sits, you know, uh, wonderfully in the light, you know, just happenstance where it's pre-lit for that one spot. And he just happens to sit there. And so I'm watching the scene and I'm like, huh black and white real big square guy in a jail cell bashing things up all beat up i wonder if frank miller's ever seen this movie <laughs> you know because i'm looking at this going oh look it's marv it is a- yes. absolutely marv <laughs> that crazy nose yep the crazy fake nose he's got on the way that he just kind of carries himself and i was like oh this so marv is jake lamada got it you know I, that never <laughs> occurred to me while watching this but uh-huh. yes yeah. absolutely that it, that he is because, That's you know, this, this this comes out in 1980, 
the first Sin City is what, like early nineties or late, late eighties, yeah. something like that. One of those. Yeah. Yeah. So you, yeah, you're onto something definitely with that. And then, uh, I, you know, I don't know Frank Miller, but he would strike me as the type of guy that would like this sort of thing. Right. It's just like an old school sort of romantic tale of a self-loathing quote unquote hero. So. And I do know, I happen to think that he is capable of subtlety, mm-hmm. but for the most part, I feel like you have to know going in. Frank Miller's uh, the writings of Frank Miller are definitely ham-fisted. Yeah, it's hitting your id, right? Like it's it's not trying to be super, super. Even the stuff that that people find unforgivable, Mm -hmm. I still can look at that and say, you know, I could. There's, I think there's layers here. Yeah, like he's going for a certain thing, and maybe he's maybe he's just lucky. I don't know. Maybe even maybe even Frank would say that, but but I do think that that yeah like you know what this is, this totally is this could be a Frank Miller comic in yeah. some ways. So one of the other things that I wanted to make sure and mention um, before we uh, you know before we get too far in this film is um, I want to make sure and and bring up Kathy Moriarty who I had never heard of, which makes sense because as Vicky Lamada, this is her first role. And she was nominated for an Oscar in her first performance as the uh, the wife of Jake LaMotta. And what I think is interesting about that performance is, you know, you open the movie and uh, you're looking at the cast. And I'm like, oh, okay, Kathy Moriarty, she plays the wife. And then there's a woman that's on the screen and it says that it's Jake LaMotta's wife. And I'm like, oh, that must be Kathy Moriarty. And then it's like, oh, wait that's not her. That's not her when I look her up on IMDb. And then we go throughout the film and we have this really uncomfortable scene where you find out that she's 15 and you see Jake LaMotta, uh, Robert De Niro as Jake LaMotta pick her up and they go on a ride in his car and they just kind of have this really kind of um, taxi driver icky sort of relationship. And when I'm watching it, I'm like, God, something about the way that Moriarty is doing this role is something about it is really sticking with me. And what I like about it is she's doing what Liza Minnelli was doing in New York, New York, to where she is a real strong woman that sort of exudes strength, but she kind of keeps everything under wraps. Like she's not prone to outbursts and she's, she's like not prone to overtly, loving sort of um like she's not real affectionate either around other people like she's just very kind of cold and closed off and then when uh she has to sort of stand up for herself she like tries her best but can't really overcome the robert de niro character sort of a thing and i was like oh that's sort of like what liza minnelli's doing except liza minnelli is exactly on the opposite side when it comes to the warmth that she shows uh, everybody and that kind of thing. So I was like, oh, it's just two different sides of the same type of personality is kind of what I've got from watching this. And I thought that she was really good for somebody that I had never, never heard of. I was like, wow, she's really got this sort of distant uh, kind of thing going because she's not hanging on every word that he says. She's not sort of doting and like, oh, I need Jake, Jake, what are you doing? You know, she's not, she doesn't need him at all. And that drives him crazy. Because he just assumes that that means she's sleeping with someone else and that she's, you know, just throwing his, you know, just doing whatever she wants. And uh, 
making him look bad, and he just knows that that's the case. And so I just thought that that was interesting. She was the definition of 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 like the good performance in this film. Mm. I th- I really liked her, and and also I come to find out that maybe some of it probably wasn't acting. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, apparently she was treated like crap mm-hmm. on the set, and so much so that she. Um, I, I guess the story is what I, what I learned is is because uh, I listened to the unspooled before uh-huh. starting, starting up. But ooh, they, now they, see they, that's interesting because I do listen to that podcast, but I have not got to Raging Bull yet. I just skipped right ahead to that episode. Ah, just I, 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 see, I, now I'll it, do that once I once we're done here. I can't do it okay. before. I can't. That's cheating. No, no worries, no worries. <laughs> well, I wanted to, I wanted to know like like specifically about her. Uh, and and I know I do know that they talked about her on that and had and I'd heard I'm like you know what oh my gosh here they are uh, treating her like crap and apparently the story goes that she didn't even like De Niro didn't trust her mm. in terms of performance and would uh, throw uh, some ad libbing in to the point where he would even slap her and would not tell her about it beforehand uh, um, and, and whatnot. And, and, you know, as the director and stuff like that allowed it. And it was just, there's a part of me that kind of, you know, Oh, this is for art's sake. You know, this is why we're doing this. So make it more real and stuff like that. But no, no, like give her a chance to be a real actor. I believe is the kind of the sentiment that they were saying. And I agree with that. I, I think that in general we should, you know, I can't believe I'm having to sit here and say, "Oh, we should treat women better." We should yeah, really. Yeah, in better. 2020, like, we should say we should have come she, up with this novel idea of saying maybe oh, treating yeah. people with some respect. You'd be amazed at how well, like uh. she, she had subtlety, she had uh, mysteriousness to her. I love the fact that she was cooking uh, his steak, and then, you know he <laughs> was being this big baby about it, and it flips the table over. I, you know what? I want to say the same thing that happened in Raging Bull was the same thing that happened in New York, New York. Mm. She flips over that, or. He flips over that table with that steak that she just set down. My wife goes, "Well, I'm done." Like, I think that I think that was his first wife, actually, that he does oh, that too. Oh, excuse me. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's right. That's but right. It, I mean, it's still it's still his wife, <laughs> you know. It's right. Yeah. But um. Uh, but yeah. No. There's there's a bit of that that just makes me like kind of, you know. Oh man, what a great performance! And then ultimately, you find out that behind the scenes, actually, she was treated like crap. And then, of course, after she, I don't know if she wins the Oscar, but no, she, she got just uh, nominated. She got nominated, but but ultimately, the the Hollywood Eye of Sauron is on her mm-hmm. for a split second, and then um, doesn't really work much after that. Yeah, and she that, had a uh, she had a near fatal automobile accident, and so she didn't work for six years. It says. Oh. So, but uh, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, she. I thought she was great, and one of the other people that I thought was great, but it was more expected because this is just what I expect him to do is Joe Pesci. Another because... person who doesn't who doesn't uh, act a lot. Yeah, uh, I mean he was everywhere for a while, and but apparently reluctantly. Yes. Uh-huh. So you know what's that about? You know, just kind of him him being able to kind of pick and choose his roles. He even had to be pressured kind of into doing this role. Yeah, this was his just, second ma- just... his second main performance. Just thought he was perfect, I, you know, to be that to be that person to kind of stand up. He was one of the people that stood up to to Jake mm-hmm. and didn't let him didn't get tossed around at any point and and 
you know, eventually he got pressured into like punching him or something. It was just so. Oh yeah, where they were they were fighting each other, and then Robert De Niro cracked his rib accidentally. That in real life. Yeah, yeah in real so, life. Man, that's oh, man. But yeah, if you look at his IMDb, he's got forty forty total um, credits to his name, which I want to say maybe a half dozen to ten of them are either either uncredited or just him showing up in like a cameo sort of a role you know like he was in one episode of tales from the crypt like that kind of thing he was in a voice he was in a video short he was uncredited in several things like so he's only been in you know 30 ish uh different things which doesn't seem right like it feels like joe pesci has been around forever yeah irishman yeah uh that's all i'll say pretty fun (laughs) we haven't got there we haven't got there we haven't got there so i haven't got there so yeah, so Raging Bull, um, I don't know. I think that it is troubling in what it's telling. I think that it is full of really good performances. I think that the main character is really hard to handle, which is the point. And I think that if, if I was watching this maybe in like 20, 2015 or maybe like pre November 2016, yep. I think maybe I would have a different viewpoint on this film than what I do. Like, I think that it's really good. Would I want to see it again soon? Not really. Um, I think I gave it like a four and a half on, on a letterbox because I think that it is like a quality achievement. And I think that some of the movie making are, are kind of undeniable, but I, I just didn't have a ton of fun watching it. <laughs> you no, know, if, yeah. we're, if we're breaking it down to that. So, and, so. uh, and, and also just, on the on the editing and and shooting oh, and, yeah, and yeah. technical level and mm-hmm. also any sort of foley sounds that are mm-hmm. that you're hearing mm-hmm. the punches and the the just the pre the pre fight sounds um as they as they move on and on I guess I guess the other thing I I caught from the the the, the facts from the podcast mm-hmm. or whatever I didn't get all the way through it but I heard that that um they tried to make each fight sound different. Like oh. they made, tried to make them worse and worse as they went on, mm. which is is how I mean, how do you do that with a fight? You know, it's fun to probably fun to figure that out, and and it, I I guess like I said at the beginning of the talk of uh, of Raging Bull, it just feels like a lot was poured into this. Um, doesn't necessarily feel like a last last ditch effort, uh, the way Marty and company make it sound like, but mm-hmm. uh. That that idea is fascinating, and 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 that the fact that you know you could you could come back like what a comeback story, right? Mm-hmm. Like the true comeback story is this is behind Raging Bull, not the actual events of the movie. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, from you know from uh, Scorsese nearly being out of movies to making this and having another, you know, because he he did well with. Um, you know, two films ago with Taxi Driver and then New York, New York wasn't uh, as much of a hit as they had hoped. And then again, to be in the Oscar sort of conversation again with this winning for film editing and for, uh, you know, best, uh, just for, you know, Robert De Niro winning for best actor. And then he lost out to Robert Redford um, for Ordinary People. He was also... Nominated uh-huh. along with David Lynch um, and Roman Pulaski and Richard Rush 
and then the this is the the infamous year where uh, ordinary people won for for best picture instead of um raging bull which has kind of been uh-huh. a, one of those things that people say like the big snubs of our time kind of a thing so i don't know i think ordinary people's uh really good <laughs> so i don't have i don't have as much of uh i haven't caught that one oh uh, yeah it's it's uh heartbreaking so, but then also what was up um, in that movie was uh, was Tess, which was the Roman Polanski film, Coal Miner's Daughter, uh, and then The Elephant Man. Oh, The Elephant Man. Yeah. Oh my God! And they're getting a Criterion Collection. Oh my God! <laughs> it's such a good movie. I gotta throw a little David Lynch in there just to get. Did you ever excited. see that? One? Did you ever see Elephant Man? Oh yeah, I saw that. Okay. All right. Nice. Absolutely, I saw that. So. Anything else about uh, these two very dreary, very dire films that we got this time? Like, sometimes it just kind of happens that way to where they're paired together. Like, next time we talk, we're going to be talking about a couple of comedies, which is not really what Scorsese is known for. Uh, so it'll be Weird, interesting yeah. to see what he does with comedies. But here, to just have two really terrible um, male characters that Robert De Niro is playing was really kind of off-putting at times. And in some ways reflective of his life, you know, mm-hmm. not that not that he was going through this exact type of of what you know what was happening, but at the same time, like you know, there was a real, you know, there's a real amount of of craziness happening in his life with with things falling apart, his marriage and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. That he's kind of being sort of revealing about. Uh, in the book, mm-hmm. uh, that's really kind of where where I'm kind of landing with both of these is I kind of I kind of wish for a little bit more of the book to right. kind of go into some of more of the movies rather than well here's an anecdote you know here's a thing that is semi related to the film but not but not really yeah. like about the film or about the making of the film it is interesting some... that he just kind of says oh yeah you know the marriage fell apart he doesn't say anything about the so the the supposed uh relationship with uh, Liza Minnelli during the filming of that that Scorsese and De Niro were supposedly attached to her during the making of that film and there's you know they, they don't really get into too much of the kind of gossipy stuff in the and there might you know the there might be still reverberations or something like that when this was written I don't mm-hmm. know like yeah who, could, who be, knows? could be but yeah it's 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 an interesting book. I'm glad I have a little thing to, to follow along with. Um, I still did get a, get to catch up with um, American Boy and The Last Waltz. Oh, The Last Waltz. That's right. Yes. Um, which You're, was well, – they the, were fine. Both of them were fine films. And that's what I told you, right, was nothing like squeezing in a couple of shorts and being just like, yeah, it's all right. Yeah. And, and the <laughs> thing is, Last Waltz um, – my tip with that is it's one of those films that it tells you at the very beginning to play it loud um, because it's a concert film mm-hmm. um, and it's, it's the, it's a final concert and stuff like that. So it's kind of fun uh, to just have on in the background while you're like looking at something else or, or, you know, playing with your kid on the floor or something like that. But um, I will say that the moments that are intercut, the interludes in between are, um so quiet mm. it's almost like the um it's almost like scorsese whoever did the sound mixing like turned the concert way up and then left and turned the interview parts way down so it would make you turn on the volume up a little bit more mm. and so that when it came back to the concert you were like blaring just it, like, like making you 
crank yeah, it. it's it's almost like it was yeah it was trying to it was trying to force you to to do that so I kept trying to play with the volume during that and then um, American Boy it came out with the Scorsese shorts uh, package from from uh, from Criterion but you can also find it on YouTube mm. for free it's a it's almost a full hour long and I highly recommend it dot 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 or asterisks really. Uh, with a caveat of if you want more of this, like young, angry young men, young boys getting into trouble slash not really understanding, uh, how reality works slash tough talk from toxic masculinity people. And toxic masculinity this time has to do with, um, a racist story that, uh, Stephen Prince tells. Uh, he talks about, uh, killing someone, uh, mm. who is a person of color mm-hmm. and the way he tells the story, uh, he might as well be Travis Bickle. Uh. He has an, he has an actual gun in his hand when he tells the story and he's pointing it and he's just, and you can, you can tell, and Steven, if you're listening, I can tell you were lying. <laughs> I can tell that you were, you're actually a piece of shit in real life. I don't even know if he's alive anymore, but I'm just saying in general, there, there. It's fascinating to kind of watch this profile of this person who is clearly suffering inside and is trying to wear bigger pants than than what he's than what he has on. Um, and, and it's it doesn't really. The thing is, it's an hour long, so it doesn't really offer much in the way of like. It's it's just it's just Scorsese pointed a camera at him and let him talk and they mm-hmm. ask questions and they laugh and they joke and they're all young men and they're all being funny and they're all being, you know, uh, uh, immature and all that. But at the end of the day, it, it, you know, they end with that story and it's and it's just like disgusting and also like wow, dude, you you really are a, a piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> like, I love it. You know, so hey, you know, it, it's interesting because it's it's part of the it's part of this thing. I think my my guess, if I were to guess right now, because I come we came away from this at the very beginning, talking about Scorsese and how we're like, I'm very surprised that he's that he's like this, and I'm very surprised that that there is the uh, uh, all of this uh, going on and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Be very interested to see. As the timeline goes on, as we work our way through pretty much cinema history from from this point onward, to see how um, Marty's influence and the films that he makes, and see how that evolves, see that maturity happen, but also see how prevalent the racism, sexism, uh, uh, all that stuff that that's toxic getting pushed throughout the, throughout the next, like almost half a century, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, as we travel to 2019, uh, for the Irishman and then maybe the other one, when it, if it comes out before then, but you know, who knows? <laughs> yeah. We'll see whenever things release now, you know? Yeah. Who knows if, if, if that will ever get made because of world events, but, but yeah, so I'm, I, 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 it's interesting because I could, you could kind of see that happening with Gilliam, you know, mm-hmm. as, as he grew and grew, he kind of cared less and less about the studio system and whatnot. And I don't know if you see an embrace or what. I, and I, I'm fascinated to see that. I, I, I can't wait to continue on. So yeah. we got two more for this next. Yeah. Two like, more for this burst of uh, shows that'll be uh, okay. released. 
Yeah. And did we say what those are? Did we you... haven't yet. Uh, oh, yeah. Okay. So, so I guess, uh, I, I guess that pretty much wraps us up. So if you have any comments, suggestions, or movies that you'd like to hear us talk about, you can email us at plainlabelpodcast at gmail.com. If you wanted to go the Twitter route, you could follow the show. Our Twitter handle is at plainlabelpod, where you could follow me over there as well. I'm at ericwilliams79. We also have an Instagram account. Just search for plainlabelpodcast and you'll find us over there. And if you wanted to help out the show a little bit, you could check out our show notes where you'll find the link to our Amazon wish list. And over there, I've got a bunch of different movie-related things that I don't necessarily need, but I would like to have if you want to buy them for me. That would be awesome. Mm. So I do want to thank Ben for coming on once again. If people wanted to hear more from you or get in touch with you, where could they do that? I am at Ben Teed. That is where I am posting my letterbox for uh, star reviews, mm-hmm. finally, because I am off of Facebook. That's right. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Viva la revolution. Viva la <laughs> Mark Zuckerberg. Anyways, hi. That's, that's right. <laughs> that is right. So yes, you can, uh, so thank you for listening and you can join Ben and I next week for a discussion of our last uh, group of this first sort of part, uh, this first part of Martin Scorsese and, uh, where you can join us for the films, The King of Comedy and After Hours. Yeah.